Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? And how do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like hues vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different hues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What hues are you using today? And which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee, Chief Enrollment Officer at Susquehanna University, and also the Chief Impact Officer for Menifee Duarte Consulting Group. And I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership with our guests today. As a reminder, season one is focusing on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it is an honor and privilege today to introduce our guest. Our guest today is Jeremy Tears. Jeremy serves as the Senior Director of Admissions Services for Tudor Collegiate Strategies. TCS partners with colleges and universities to train their admission and enrollment marketing staff to help them personalize enrollment communications and to increase engagement from prospective students and their parents during all stages of the college search process. Welcome, sir. How you doing? DJ, my friend, it is great to see you. Uh, I'm sorry you're dealing with snow. There's no snow here in Indiana, but it is very cold today. <laughs> well, don't get too excited. Uh, coming from the Midwest, it may be right around the corner. <laughs> coming off, no the, doubt. coming off the late lake effect of Chicago. So, uh, and and for our guests, as a reminder, uh, I wanted to share why I was excited to to reach out to Jeremy to be a part of this conversation. Jeremy has helped shape my leadership lens through his ability and spirit for coaching and guidance uh, through a leadership lens. Uh, a portion of his work allows him to support teams of admission professionals and developing uh, their crafts to support the institution enrollment objectives. And he's always thinking about how he can provide coaching and guidance while always wondering about the type of coaching and guidance that they are getting or not getting from their leadership that's present within their organizations and within their office. And so as you're always thinking about that and always infusing that in our conversations, just know that that is something that I have tried to incorporate into the way in which I lead, which is always having the spirit of coaching um, and trying to provide guidance uh, to help professionals develop specific within enrollment, but also in any other uh, instance or industry. And I appreciate you saying that, DJ, and we know each other well enough. You know how much I appreciate you and just hearing all of that makes me not only feel very good to be completely honest, but you know, it's just exciting to be a part of someone's growth process. And and that's something I'm very passionate about, as you know, and it ties into my why back into the coaching and guidance you talked about. I mean, being able to play a small or possibly bigger role in anyone's growth is something that just continues to fulfill my bucket at a very high level. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Jeremy, you know, we had a chance to connect uh, ahead of this conversation to think through, you know, hey, what what hues do we want to unpack for our audience today? And I'm super excited to dive into each of these. And so we're going to go ahead and get kicked off. And so let's start with the first hue. So the first hue, uh, Jeremy, that you wanted to discuss today was intentionality. And so if you wouldn't mind, unpack that for our audience in terms of what that means for you, but also how that may show up in your work. I would tell you a couple of things on intentionality right out of the gate, DJ. Oftentimes, I continue to find as I'm on different campuses and I'm having conversations with your peers or other senior leaders, or quite honestly, even 
junior leaders at the associate and assistant director level, everybody's so busy. Everybody's wearing multiple hats, which I'm very empathetic on. And I continue to find, unfortunately, there's a trickle down effect where they're not as intentional as they need to be as a leader. And I wrote down just a a few ways, obviously, that I see it manifest itself and something I think the audience needs to think about, especially if they're in a leadership role. The first one is, how are you intentionally building a culture within your office? I don't see that happening enough, DJ. I think people think culture is, well, I just give my team a high five. I do coffee days. I bring in snacks. I bring in other freebies. And like occasionally I say, DJ, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. All of those are important. But that's not what builds culture, in my opinion, DJ. There has to be more intention behind it, right? You have to intentionally communicate as a leader your vision and values to your staff. And I think it has to happen at the beginning. This isn't something where you can go two years in as a leader and say, my team's not doing what I want. Well, maybe now you can do that, but it becomes much harder It's much easier if, again, intentionally at the beginning, you talk about, all right, what are we going to be known for as a team? What do we want to ultimately work towards? And then as we're working towards whatever these goals are that we set, DJ, what are we ultimately doing from a progression standpoint? Are we making the progress we want? Are we not intentionally having those conversations as a staff has to start at the leadership level? And I just don't see that happening enough. It's kind of like, Go talk to your neighbor. Come see me if you need anything. We're just kind of rolling and we get into it. And I think that lack of intentionality then trickles down and manifests itself, unfortunately, with a bunch of other things, some of which I know we're going to talk about today. So I have a couple of follow-up questions, Jeremy, and I, and I definitely want the audience to kind of hear your lens on this. How does that vary um, in terms of a you're new to that organization, you're new to that team in a leadership role where you may need some time to assess what the current culture is versus uh, option B, how does it vary if you have been a part of that office and now have been promoted to now lead that office? You know, do you see variance in that when you've been able to go in and provide guidance, support and leadership uh, to the teams that you've been able to work with? I do. And I would say both those things to me, DJ, goes back to what do you define your leadership style to be? And as I work with a lot of leaders, DJ, a lot of them, honestly, don't have a defined leadership style. They tell me as much. They're like, well, you know, I want my staff to work hard and I want them to see me to work hard and I want them to feel comfortable. I'm like, okay, but there has to be more. And I think it's harder whenever you talk about intentionally building a culture to build that culture if your staff and you don't know what kind of leader you are. And so I just encourage number one, anybody listening to this, right? Whether they've recently been promoted, as you said, or they're in a newer situation, have you defined what kind of leader you want to be? Like, what do you want to be known for? Meaning people talk about us all the time, DJ. Like, what do they say about us when we're not around? Because it's the same thing on the leadership side, your staff, other people on campus, stakeholders, they're all talking about you. What are they saying? Do they understand what your vision is? Do they understand what kind of leader that you are? How would they describe you? Does it match with how you want to be described? And so I think number one, 
right? You have to figure that part out first. If you're new to a team, 100%, I think you have to analyze your staff and understand, all right, what am I working with? What are some of our strengths? What are some of our weaknesses? But I would argue, regardless of what those things are, your leadership style can adjust to that, I would argue, if you're doing it the way I would want you to do it. And then if you've been promoted and you're going to be a different kind of leader, potentially than the person in front of you, that's totally okay. I see no problem with that. Again, though, it comes back to, is that clear to your staff? Because if it's not clear to your staff and you don't intentionally talk about, okay, in that second example, if we're going to do things differently than what we've always done it or what we've recently done it, why are we doing it? And how is that? And if that never gets talked about, leadership then I oftentimes find becomes frustrated when, well, like my staff's not doing it the way I want to do it. Well, have you articulated in a clear way that they can understand, again, how you want it to be done, what the vision is? So ultimately, those things are much easier, again, back to intentionality, when we sit down, we come up with a plan as leaders and intentionally figure out what kind of leader we want to be. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sure the audience was able to grasp those diamonds in the rough that you just laid for them uh, in that in that response. So let's move on to the gym, the second hue. Uh, and the second hue you wanted to, to touch base on for our audience was empathy. So again, enlighten us, my brother, on, on what that means uh, and how that shows up in your work. I think it's important we define, DJ, what empathy means first, you know, and so I'll just take the definition that go to our lovely friend Google, right? The ability to understand and share the feelings of another, right? That's how empathy is defined. I don't think, DJ, people understand, not just in higher education, but in so many industries in 2022, empathy is no longer a soft skill that's nice to have. It is a must have if you are in a leadership role in 2022. And I think we all have seen the pandemic has just taken it to another level as we're kind of continuing to come out of that. Staff retention is impacted positively or negatively based on the empathy that that leader right, shows or does not show to his or her team. And so empathy is something that I think a lot of people don't really think about, don't talk about maybe as much as they need to, but I would argue it's such an important hue for any leader. And it's I, I'm empathetic to the fact, DJ, that for some people, empathy is not as hard. Like I'm a super emotional person. I don't think empathy is hard for me. Why that is, I don't know. Maybe I'm blessed with DNA. You know, I look at my mom, I think she's the exact same way. And I'm sure I picked up a lot of that from my parents, but especially my mom. And I'm empathetic to other people who might go, but Jeremy, it's hard for me. Like, I'm not a like warm and fuzzy person. Okay. That's something though you have to, back to intentionality, intentionally then work to improve in yourself, right? As a leader, because that's what your staff needs from you. And so if you're going to put yourself in the position of the other people, aka the staff that you manage, empathy is so important because ultimately the words you use, the way you treat them, when you want to reinforce accountability when they don't do something or something doesn't work out, if you're not able to infuse empathy in all of those situations, again, I would argue it becomes harder for your staff to trust you, to feel safe, to feel supported, and to feel like all of this hard work they're doing, right, 
is headed in the direction that you all want it to be headed in? One, I appreciate how you connected the two, how you connected intentionality and empathy. And the other thread I want to pull out, Jeremy, is that you also acknowledge that it may not be a strength of everybody's to show up and just automatically be empathetic to the people that they serve uh, and their needs. But in that, it kind of unlocks this opportunity of, of shaping competency over time, right? So we're all going to have our own strengths as leaders and as human beings and as professionals, but there are also going to be areas that, that may always be a work in progress, but we can seek to, to get to a competent level where our, our team, if we're responsible for leading people, can see that we're, we're making effort to be empathetic to them and their needs. Let me ask a follow-up question for you. I know you've given examples of what empathy can look like from the leaders that are leading the teams that you go in and support. What does empathy look like for as as Jeremy going in to provide this support when you're going to work with these organizations? How do you show empathy for the teams you're supporting? So I kick off a lot of the trainings I do, DJ, the exact same way. And this wasn't the way that when I started working with a lot of admissions and enrollment teams eight years ago, I used to do it. But now what I do is the following. I explain why I'm here and what my goal is going to be. And I talk about, I want to help all of you. Here's the thing. I don't know any of you and I don't know what you're good at. And I don't know what you stink at. And I don't know what you want help with. And I don't know if this is going to be easy for you to take what I, so I try to explain through the words, right. And my actions throughout the day, I'm empathetic to the fact that you might be at this level if you've been here six years and if you've been here six days, and there's often that dynamic in a lot of these rooms, I'm empathetic to the person who's been there six days. You don't know what you don't know. I get it, right? And so I'm going to have you come at this or encourage you to come at what we're talking about today a little differently, right? But I'm going to take the person who's been there six years and say, all right, I'm empathetic to the fact you've been here six years. And I need to try to figure out, okay, are you figuring these things out? And are you doing them with consistency? And if not, why not? And so it's just situations like that. Or, you know, we talk a lot in higher ed about silos, right? You hear about it all the time. I literally was on a conversation with a colleague of ours at TCS and a coach in the state of California earlier this week. And we were having this discussion and the coach was frustrated because the admission staff at that school has had more apps to read this season. And so it's taking them longer to get decisions all right, out to not just student athletes, but any of their students. And this coach is new. And this coach said to me, Jeremy, I don't get it. It's not the way that my previous school I coached at used to do it. And so I tried to infuse in the moment in that conversation to that coach, coach, I, I get it. And, and you're allowed to be frustrated, but I want you to be empathetic of you don't know what's happening, right? On the other side, for example, of campus in that admissions office. And so real quick, I started asking a couple very intentional, back to again, intentionality. These are all interconnected, these hues that I've given you, I think, questions. And I asked the coach, do you know, is your admission staff fully staffed right now? And she's like, no, I think we're down one or two counselors. I said, okay. Well, I said, I need you to be a little empathetic then as you think about this, because not only are you up in apps as an institution, which is great, but the people who are reading them, there's less of those people. 
And you have to be empathetic to there are other things you don't know. And so I tried to encourage that coach, go and have some of these conversations with somebody at admissions, but understand the words you use back to empathy are going to convey one of two things when you try to initiate that conversation. That other person, if you don't display empathy, is immediately, because this is how we all are as humans, DJ, going to feel attacked like, oh, Jeremy, you're saying I suck and like I need to do a better job and I'm not. Versus if you go in with empathy, you're trying to just say, hey, listen, I know you all are working hard. I appreciate you. Can you help me understand and then try to come at it that way with some empathy as to I'm just trying to understand why our processes are the way they are. So then I'm able to communicate in that example I gave you as that coach to these students and families. Here's why it might take a little bit longer than we originally planned, for example, to get a decision. And so if empathy is not infused, for example, in that example I gave, it becomes harder to A, break down silos, but B, have positive interactions. And your reaction and your responses, like I'm finding these other gems that you're you're dropping that I'm I'm hopeful that our audience is picking up on. And, and the one that stands out to me is, is you can't have one approach as a leader. And so with the effort with empathy and with the the effort to customize your approach to the team, i.e., you've been here for six days, you've been here for six months, you've been here for six years, I think the team or those that we are in position to support are more receptive to that because they can sense that as the leader in that instance, you are trying to meet them where they are versus trying to paint a very broad can spiel to them as if they all are on the same page. So I appreciate you bringing that thread out uh, in that leadership shoot. So let's tap into our third. Okay, so we've talked about intentionality. We've talked about empathy. Our, our third cue that you wanted to talk about today uh, is listening. And when you shared that with me, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And so, uh, again, I'm going I'm to turn the mic over to you. What do you mean by listening? Because sometimes people can think you're talking about just hearing. And then how does that show up in the work that you're doing? When I was a young professional DJ and I graduated from college, I thought I was a really good listener. For me, I was always somebody, my friends or people who would immediately meet me, they would just start sharing things right? They felt comfortable around me. And I always thought, well, that must mean I'm just, I'm a good listener. This is why. And as I started to get on my own growth journey and I started to ask people, which I would tell anybody listening to this leader or not, if you want to know where you have opportunities to improve in any of these hues or hues that other guests on this podcast will talk about, you need to surround yourself with people who know you who also have no problem sharing positive and negative or constructive feedback with you. And so I did that. And through that conversation, I had people say, yeah, you're okay at it, Jeremy, but like, here's where you might want to consider, right? Making some changes. And it was hard for me to hear as a young 20 something, but it was super helpful. And so what I have found works really well for me and I encourage and have in the last 20 plus years now of my professional career to people is there is different kinds of listening. There is what we all have heard as active listening. And then there's something that often gets referred to as competitive listening. And so I think there's a difference. And I think a lot of people think they're actively listening when what they're doing is competitively listening. And so let me explain. 
as somebody's talking, are you already in your brain thinking about how you're going to respond when that person finishes? That's competitive listening. Or are you not even thinking about your response and so zoned in, if I'm the one listening to you, DJ, to whatever your point of view is that you're sharing me, that I'm not thinking about how I'm going to respond, per se. I'm listening to try to understand, especially if it's a different point of view you're bringing me than my own. Well, why does DJ feel this way? And why doesn't he agree with me? And then when you finish, I'm going to take what you've given me and hopefully continue the conversation. And I think a lot of us do more competitive listening and what we need to actually do is more active listening. And so as a leader, right, where this manifests itself is a number of places. And the easiest example for me to give that I probably see more than anything is what happens when someone comes in with an idea to a leader? That leader oftentimes is listening, but I would argue isn't actively listening. And let me explain. What gets communicated back to me by the person who brought the idea is, Jeremy, I took my boss an idea and literally either A, before I could finish, I got interrupted, or B, even when I finished, I immediately was shut down, told we can't do it. And I leave feeling defeated, frustrated, and like I'm dumb or it was a bad idea because I'm not given any context. And then that manifests itself in me not wanting to ever take ideas to leadership again or thinking, well, my boss is too busy and won't give me the time and listen to me anyways. And versus, right, if you're actively listening and you're trying to understand and then you can follow that up with empathy, for example, again, and context, even if you can't, for example, act on what the idea is that your staff brings, your staff feels like you listened because you're able to recite back or hit on things or like get them to expand on why they think that's a good idea or why they want to change it this way to where that other person feels heard, but then also gets context from you as a leader, right? This is where the intentionality comes back in. Are you giving your staff context in that situation? You don't have to give them all the details, but like for all you know, and they don't know, it's a great idea. But you know what? Those two offices that would need to be involved in that on campus, boy, the leadership is at like, they're like this, they don't get along. And, but the person who brought the idea doesn't know that or may not know that. And so all of these hues, DJ, are, are intertwined. And I just, from a listening standpoint, I continue to see way too many leaders who don't actively listen and try to truly hear what the other person is saying. They already come up with their point of view before the other person's even done talking. You know, I feel very comfortable in, in sharing with our audience that just in your your response, I have some homework to do uh, as a leader and uh, getting better at actively listening to my team, not only in context of uh, idea generation um, or proposal, uh, but also just in, in genuine in any other instance. The one piece that that did also come to mind as, as I'm thinking through your examples is tying it back to the intentionality piece and thinking through within our space. If I'm thinking about our strategic enrollment plan, there's intentionality and direction and a clear why. So then there's also parameters 
now saying, as you think about ideas, these ideas need to be framed to these goals and to this direction. That allows for more receptivity to the idea because it's clear to me you paid attention to where we're headed and why we're headed that direction. And then I think the other piece is being transparent uh, at the appropriate level of of tenure uh, and understanding with budgets, right? Because oftentimes an idea uh, may tie to dollars. So not only do you need to know the direction we're headed in and the framework for operating within that, but also what resources may we have, may we not have. And if you understand the resources, you understand the budget, you may also be able to contribute in a different way by saying, and I also know that this this new product is at its two-year assessment period and it hasn't been working. So while I I don't know where the full 30,000 30, is, I know where we can find 18, right? And so contributing to um, that lens. And so I, I just really appreciate you kind of kind of walking through that uh, example of, of the value of listening, but also the notion of if you're constantly thinking about a rebuttal and a reaction and getting your point across while the person you're engaging is sharing perspective, then you're not you're not actively listening in a way that is benefiting them and, and making them feel like they are being heard. At the end of the day, DJ, we all want to be heard, I would argue. Right. I mean, we're all, whether we want to admit it or not, selfish human beings. It's like the way we're created. Right. And I, what I find as I have these conversations and to give your audience some quick context that might be helpful here, when I go in and I do these trainings, DJ, I meet one on one with every single person. We do group sessions on that first day, but I'm empathetic back to empathy that some people, no matter how much I encourage them to engage in a large group setting, aren't going to do it because they don't feel comfortable. And so I give that option on the second day and I'm meeting with 14 to 18 different people from the counselors up to senior leadership. And as I'm having conversations with people, right, I'm constantly hearing it's not that like I understand and expect my boss or our leadership team to take every idea I bring and like we're always going to act on it. But I don't want to walk away feeling like I wasn't heard. Because then it doesn't encourage me to say, well, why should I take the time to think more strategically or to think about how we might be able to improve this if I don't even feel like whatever I bring to the table is even going to be like listened to, let alone, great idea, Jeremy. Let me talk about why the timing right now isn't good or why the budget, as you said. So, you know, all of those things, I hope your audience sees, tie in together. And, and I think the last thing I would add, DJ, is... I hope those listening to this think of leadership, you know, in the following context, you work for your staff, not the other way around. And I see way too many leaders who are like, all right, it needs to be done this way. Or you need to think that no, everybody's different. Everybody has different wants, needs, goals, fears, things they're good at. And again, back to listening, empathy and intentionality, you have to spend time with your team if you're truly going to improve, for example, the hues we've talked about today, because when you push, for example, one-on-one -on -one meetings, which I know happens a lot, and again, I'm empathetic to all these different hats that leaders are having to wear listening to this, but you send a message to that person when you push that meeting, that that meeting's not important and ah, there's nothing we really can't. And then that becomes much harder down the road to backtrack and ultimately get, for example, more trust, more buy-in, right? A different level of, you know, approach or performance 
when you do those types of things. So hopefully, as I said, your audience was able to take away a few things, if nothing else, to ponder and think about today. So we have one more piece as we as we get ready to transition to the conclusion of the conversation. Oftentimes, one of these scenarios is is happening with leadership, right? And if you identify as a leader, there are times when we are exposed to new things that we haven't necessarily had in what I would deem our leadership portfolio. It hasn't been a hue that we've accessed before. Uh, and so it's new to us. Uh, and so the first portion of the question could be either A, has there been something you've been recently exposed to in terms of uh, a new hue and leadership that you would like to share with the audience? Or would you be willing to share and unpack with the audience you know, a hue that that you've been aware of, but it has been one that has been a challenge for you to create it or have it as a strength. Uh, one that you have struggled with it becoming a competency, but it's a work in progress for Jeremy every day. For me, the biggest challenge I continue to have, and this this has been ongoing, DJ, honestly, my entire professional career, I have no problem owning it, is I need to do a better job of being able to offload things to other people in our organization, not because again, I don't trust them. You know, I've done some real dig deeping and soul searching on this, but because again, we all have so much going on. And from an efficiency standpoint, it's much harder for any of us to do it all on our own. And I continue to see way too many leaders and I'm in this boat too, say, well, I don't want to hand that off or I don't want to give ownership of that as much because what if it doesn't get done exactly the way I would do it? Well, if you try to unpack that, as I have done over the years, as I try to work on my own growth, I think what you probably will find, and I know I have found this and I'm getting better at it, but it's still a work in progress is, well, sometimes the reason that it doesn't get done to the level or way you want is back to the first two we talked about today, which is you didn't intentionally explain or communicate in a way to the staff why it needs to be done this way or what goal we're working towards or what. And so, of course, it's much harder for them than to do it, for example, in a way that aligns with the overall vision of the company or the project or whatever it might be. So for me, I know that continues to be something that I am constantly working on. You know, when I write down things that I want to, you know, unpack and get better at, or have conversations with other leaders that I respect, DJ, I'm constantly asking them for advice on, hey, how do I get better at this? What are you doing? What have you seen other people do in this area? So for me, that's something I know that I continue to improve, but I'm nowhere at the level I want to be at yet. And from a new hue standpoint, DJ, I don't know if there's anything I would say that like, this is brand new. I haven't seen this, or I'm hearing more about this. I will say, you know, I truly go back to that second hue we talked about on that empathy. And I just, I'm seeing more leaders be empathetic. Like we've got a ways to go still. There's no question with a lot of these things, but I'm seeing more leaders be empathetic and understand, wait a sec, this does impact things like staff retention. And it does have a trickle down effect that maybe I didn't think about before, because I'm not maybe being as empathetic to the fact that there's probably a bunch of staff everywhere in this country in higher education, reading applications, trying to run events, trying to plan admitted student day events. How as a leader, are you empathetic of all of that? And so I think it's becoming more of a priority DJ, because I'm getting more questions about it as I have conversations with leaders that I wasn't getting 
very much of, if at all, quite honestly, three to five years ago. Thank you, Jeremy. Not only in terms of your willingness to share your ongoing efforts to get better at, I think the language you used was offloading. I'll, I'll throw in an alternative term of delegation of, of projects and work. And again, to reflect on the hues that you shared with our audience today in terms of, of being intentional, leaning into your why, the value and the effort that should go into being empathetic for the team that you're responsible for guiding and leading. And again, in terms of the, of the last hue that we reflected on, the, the value and the importance I would say listening, generally speaking, but I think more so in terms of active listening and then actively engaging and, and making sure that that person or that team you're engaging with feels like you're open to them, you're listening to them, you're focused on them and their needs, their desires, their proposals, their ideas. And so, you know, as a friend and as a colleague, I appreciate what you've meant to me in my leadership journey. I appreciate your willingness to join us on this podcast today to share what leadership looks like feels like in all its senses for Jeremy uh, to our audience. And I look forward to the ways in which you will help shape my leadership moving forward. I appreciate the opportunity, DJ, to be on this. And I would just add one more time, you know, that impact goes both ways. And, and you and I have had enough conversations over the years. I think you know how much I appreciate you, but I will say again, and I encourage all of you listening who are leaders, those three simple words of I appreciate you, DJ. All right. Or that's four words, obviously. But, you know, that you can't say that enough to your staff, to other senior leaders on campus that, again, you're collaborating with or trying to break down silos or these are all things. Right. That I think we can all continue to grow. And, and the last parting thought I'll give is. I continue to encourage people, DJ, it's harder to do any of these things for your staff if you're not doing them for yourself. So I hope that everybody listening is taking time to do self-evaluation because I think it's important for all of us. And I would argue it's even more important if you're in a leadership role, because if you don't take care of yourself, I would argue it's much harder for you then to effectively take care and manage and help your staff grow. Concur. To our guests, as you transition to work, or home from work as you head into lunch or you're transitioning in between meetings as you transition in professional development time that you may have each day or maybe in each week or as you're transitioning between work and time with your loved ones uh, let's reflect on and consider incorporating the hues that that jeremy shared with us today not only in terms of of ones that were a part of the three hues but also in terms of thinking through how we delegate opportunities to those that we have in our care Thanks for tuning in to the Hughes of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what Hughes will I use today and which will I seek to further develop? Thank you. Thank you.